Welcome to Main Menu for May 8th, 2010. I'm Jamie Pauls. This week, we wrap up our in-depth comparison of the iPod Touch and the iPhone, courtesy of the Tech Doctor podcast. Next, Chris Millsap gives us a first look at Android accessibility by way of Blind Cool Tech. Finally, we hear more highlights of CSUN 2010 thanks to Blind Bargains. That's all coming up on this edition of Main Menu. And welcome to the show once again. I am your host, Jamie Pauls. Glad to have you along. This week, before we get into our main presentations, I'd like to make mention that Window Eyes version 7.2 has been released. And there are many um, stability enhancements in that release. It's much snappier, much faster. Uh, of course, the Eloquence patch was released some time ago, but that is certainly included in there, the, the fix for Eloquence. Um, also, uh, support for Office 2010, for those of you who are playing with that. We are going to try to have um, some discussion of Office 2010 on Main Menu in the future, and I'm sure we will accomplish that, among other things that we have planned. So stick around, we've got some good stuff coming. And that's the last you'll hear from me till the end of the show. So let's hand it over to Robert Carter and Jenny Axler, who will talk about touch typing on the iPad. iPod. So, the one question really that I have left when I try to think about iPhone versus iPad is what about entering text? What about typing on these devices? I know what it's like to type on the iPhone. I use my thumbs and slide and I select a letter and then I tap with my other thumb to actually enter the letter into the edit field. And I can do that successfully, but it's not real fast and it's not terribly easy to do. It's an acquired skill. Is the same situation true on the iPad or is there something different? You have the option of doing something called touch typing. And I think this might be coming to iPhone, although I don't know how it will be on the the small keyboard. The one advantage to having an iPad is that even in portrait mode, I find that my hands are such that I can hover above what would normally be home row. I'm a pretty good guesser as far as where the keys are going to be. Of course, in landscape mode, it's going to be a little wider yet. But even in portrait mode, I find it to work pretty well. And I So are you saying that you can actually put your fingers over the keys just like you would on a regular keyboard in a sense? Well, you don't want to actually touch the screen if you can help it. So usually the first letter is sort of my orientation, the first letter that I need to type. And then I sort of kind of hover above it. And what the touch typing allows you to do is press your finger on a given letter. And if it's the letter you want, you just simply lift up. If it's not the letter you want, you can slide over to the letter that you do want and then lift up. So there's no... So you don't double tap, you just lift. Yes. And that's what enters the character. Right. The the act of lifting is what enters the character. So no double tapping or no tapping on another part of the screen. Wow, that's really different. It is. I can show it to you. Let me open notes here really quick. Let me close up my iPod app. Home. TV.com. Notes. There's notes, so I will double tap. Notes. Florida CV, text field, auto cap on. 
You have a Insta note already CV. Florida yes. CV. Text field is editing. Auto cap on. Okay. So now I'm going to... Keyboard. Space. Okay. And uh, you could... when I As soon as I lifted my finger, it entered the space. So I'm going to try and find the H here. J. H. Okay. So I just slid over to the H. H. And since I lifted it up, now it entered. E. And now I'm on the E, and I just knew where that was. E. And there again, it enters it. L. L. O. O. Oh, whoops, I guess I forgot an L, but oh well. You I got just... very close to the word hello anyway. <laughs> yes, I, I think I just wrote H-E-L-O, but either way, if you get very familiar with this keyboard, which you tend to if you type very much, then you're going to find those very automatically, as I pretty much did. Once I found the H, almost everything else was pretty automatic. And so you can actually do it very well. I did this sort of slow for demonstration, but once you're familiar with that keyboard, you can type fairly quickly. It does take a little bit of getting used to but I didn't actually find that I had too much trouble getting used to it. Some people have said they really don't like it. The um, irony of it to me is, you know, for all these years, for all of our lives, we have pounded on keys, Braille writers, typewriters, to get the key to enter the information on this device. We lift up our finger to get the key <laughs> to enter the information. And that's just amazing to me. Uh, yeah. Leave it to Apple to come up with an interface that works in a way that you would never expect, but clearly it really works. Yeah, well, never mind that I just never thought I'd be typing on a touchscreen, period. To me, this is just a lot more efficient than the double tapping method. But I think, again, that's subjective because I've heard other people say that, oh, I just don't like that at all. I actually love it. I think it's fabulous. I don't know if I will like it on the iPhone, given that you don't have the same orientation. You can't put your hands in home row orientation the same way that you can on the iPad, so it may not be as instant. Yeah, lifting is disconcerting unless you can be pretty sure that when you lift and you're on an E, you can just reach down a little bit and you'll find a D because that's the way the typewriter keyboard is laid out. That makes a lot more sense to me than trying to find a character in Lyft and find another character on the iPhone uh, interface. So we'll see what they do with that this summer. We don't know yet how that's going to turn oh, out. Sure. And I might find out that I'm totally wrong. I'm, I'm proved wrong all the time. So Yeah, <laughs> we, we can certainly be wrong. But I think that really does give people a good idea of some of the ways that the iPhone and iPad are similar and also some of the ways that they're different. And that's really what we wanted to do. We can't tell you that one is better or one is should be chosen over the other. We can show you, though, that they're different and they're similar and hopefully give you the chance to think about it and go out and look at them and see which one you like for you. That's really what it boils down to, but at least now you've got some information. Yeah, and I think something to think about too is price. This is a 64 gigabyte iPad and it was $700. Now my 64 gigabyte iPod Touch was four. So yeah, you can have the larger screen, but for you as a blind person, is it is it worth it or not? You know, is it worth almost twice the price? I don't know. There are some layout advantages. Some things are more instantly accessible, but at the same time, sometimes I think you can get too much information. And then there is just the question of, does it matter that much? I would say if you are a flicker, if you are a person that flicks most of the time, it really doesn't matter. 
you don't need a larger screen because it, it's really not going to matter. You're going to interact with them the same way. If you are a person that really likes to explore screen layout, you might think that the larger screen does something for you that the smaller screen doesn't. It gives you more of a picture of, of what the layout is. I think I agree with you that it is subjective. But it also raises the question for me, it seems that we as blind people need to be ready to Sweden. learn new approaches to all these devices. And just because we love to flick on the iPhone doesn't mean we shouldn't give a shot at using the advantages of the bigger screen on the iPad because all this technology is brand new and it's a great opportunity for all of us to learn and experiment and find out what works for us because as we always say here at the Tech Doctor podcast, learning Learning is is all all in your head. head. (laughs) So long, everybody. And I'm doing this podcast today to share with you some exciting developments uh, in accessibility for Android phones and the Motorola Droid in particular. I'm going to be using that to show you just how accessible Android is. There's been a lot of developments for blind and visually impaired people with regard to cell phones in the last year or so. As we're all aware, the iPhone is a very accessible platform right out of the box. You can do uh, pretty much anything with an iPhone right out of the box without installing any software with regards to accessibility because of voiceover, and that's a very, very good solution. However, um, the iPhone is not the only game in town, and there are accessibility features on the Google Android platform uh, right out of the box with any Android phone after Android 1.6. Now, today I'm going to be showing you a Motorola Droid which is an Android 2.0 phone. The Motorola Droid is, as I said, an Android 2.0 phone. Uh, It's a smartphone with a touchscreen on it. It has a 5 megapixel camera also. Um, It's got very decent call quality so far. It's on the Verizon 3G network, so that means you have lots of coverage, even in places where AT&T does not have coverage. In addition, what's fairly exciting is it does have a pull-out QWERTY keyboard in addition to having the touchscreen. So you have a virtual keyboard on screen, but you also have a a full QWERTY keyboard in the device itself. Now, this isn't the best keyboard that there is or that I've ever seen on a phone. There's not a lot of depth to the keys, but it's not a chiclet keyboard entirely. There is some depth, and there doesn't seem to be any markings on the keys that you can feel, but it would be usable to type messages once you got used to it, and I think it would be more usable than a virtual on-screen keyboard. So, to get started with the accessibility on any Google Android phone, there's an application that comes with the phone called TalkBack, and TalkBack is the screen reader for Google Android. In order to turn it on, you have to go into the settings mode on the phone, which there is a button for to pull up a menu uh, in any location on an Android phone, and on the Droid, that's the second button from the left at the very bottom of the phone. So you would go in there, you would then click on settings, and there would be a menu called accessibility that would come up with the other menus. And you would go into accessibility and check to turn on TalkBack, as well as turn on accessibility in general. And this would turn on the screen reading for the phone. Now, 
If you're totally blind, you'll probably need somebody to help you with this, a sighted friend. But once this is on, it will stay on. Now, once TalkBack is on, the phone should be ready to read whatever you have selected on the screen. Now, when you first turn on the Android phone, you will see your home screen, which has icons on it that represent your most used applications. Now, unlike the iPhone, uh, TalkBack does not work by gestures on the touchscreen. In order to move the selector around and have things read, you need to open up the QWERTY keyboard on the device, and there is a directional pad right to the right of the QWERTY keyboard that allows you to maneuver the selector up, down, right, and left, and then if you press the center, that will act as a click. So the selector usually begins in the top left-hand corner of your home screen on whatever icon is there, and you can use the the directional pad to move it around, and when you do that, uh, TalkBack will read to you, and I'll just show you that right now. Facebook. Music. That's Facebook. the music. Here's my Facebook application. Market. The Android Market. Advanced Task Killer 3. That's Advanced Task Killer 3, which is an application I use a lot because on Android, you can have multiple applications running in the background, and you have to be able to kill them somehow. Stocks. Voice dialer. That's the voice dialer. Phone. There's the phone application. Contacts. And there's the contacts application. And now I'm going to show you TalkBack working with the contacts application on the Droid. So I'm going to navigate to that application using the phone. Voice dialer. Phone. Contacts. I'm using the D-pad to move around the screen. Now I've found contacts, so I'm going to click on the center of the D-pad. Now the contacts application has come up, and it has a list of contacts. You can use the D-pad by scrolling up and down to browse through the contacts and have them read to you. Angel Tuska, Auburn Thompson, B, Bob Thalian, Bruce Hall, A, Bruce Morrison, Byron Lee. C. As Gary I'm doing Smith. here. Or you can begin typing the name of the person that you want to select. So let me go and do that now. So I'm typing in Dan. D. And Dan Teveld comes up, and I will click on him. And I will get the screen, and I will. So. So right now, it tells me his mobile, and I can call that if I want. And then I can scroll down to see... I can call his home number. And I've got two email addresses, and I can either email both of those. Now... Unfortunately, one of the problems with Android right now is that email is not very accessible. In fact, there is a lot of work that remains to be done on email. Uh, most of the time, you can compose an email to someone, and it's fairly accessible. It will read what you're typing and read what you delete and everything. However, if you open up the email application, uh, you'll find that it's not very accessible at all. The menus will be read and everything but the inbox won't be read and the messages will not be read very well. 
Uh, this is an area where they really have to work on in Android uh, in future versions of the OS. And this is one area where the iPhone is clearly uh, winning out right now in terms of accessibility. Another area where this is happening is the browser. Uh, unfortunately, Android, while it will allow you to type URLs into the browser and you'll be able to hear that and everything, the results that come back are not yet accessible at all. It doesn't read at all. Um, to make most of the phone about 90-95% accessible with all of the settings menus being able to be read and the contacts being able to be read, and not to have browsing and email is very disappointing. And I really hope that this is addressed in future versions of the OS. Now, while the browser and email support on Android are very disappointing from an accessibility standpoint, social networking support is a lot better. I'm going to show you this by showing the official Facebook client. And I'm going to just look over my news feed really quickly. Um, and I'm also going to show you Seismic, which is one of the better Android Twitter clients, and just show you how you could look through your tweets as well as to send a tweet. So I'm going to browse over to my Facebook client from the home screen. Seismic. Music. Facebook. Okay, and I'm going to click on that. Facebook. Now, the first screen has some icons on it, which unfortunately are not being read. So what you do is when the first screen comes up, you just click on the center button of the D-pad in order to get to your news feed, which isn't gonna, what I'm going to do right now. Edit box. What's on your mind? So there's the what's on your mind um, edit box that you normally see in Facebook, and I'm going to use the D-pad to push down, scroll down. Byron Lee, I'm eating chicken booby stuffed with ham and cheese. Byron Lee, I decided to get off at the Green Road and look around. Jason has Tom Play feeling very refreshed after a nice hike. If he... Byron Lee, RTF Mavon 2002, RTF Mongoose underscore Pew, RTF Blind Mids, Dearsighted People, Blind People, GOTO Movies. Left, Blind People. Three hours ago, comment when likes this. Byron Lee thinking of going out to eat when I get home. But where? And now you can... Three hours ago. You can hear some of the... Um reports on Facebook from friends of mine. I can't vouch for the content. <laughs> However, you can hear them and you can scroll up and down to hear more. Uh, I'm going to go up here to the what's on your mind field. Um, Jason has Tom Quay feeling very refreshed after a nice hike. It feels so good to enjoy this weather. Those are some more um, reports. minutes ago, comment when likes this. Edit box. What's on your mind? So I'm now back up on the... Lee, the I'm eating chicken booby stuff with ham so and now cheese. I'm going to type something on the what's on your mind. T-H-I-S-I-S-T-T-T-T-T. And now, after typing that, if I press right, if I move the D-pad right, I will end up on... Share. On a share button. If I, if I now click on the D-pad... I'll post that as a report on Facebook. Um, I'm not going to do that right now, but you can see that you can do that from the phone. Now, I want to get out of Facebook and open up Seismic, which is the Android Twitter client, so I can show you Twitter on the Android uh, OS and on the Motorola Droid. So in order to do that, we need to press the back button. In all Android applications, if you want to get on the screen you were on previously or out of an application, you always press the back button.
Now, when the QWERTY keyboard is folded into the phone and the phone is held upright, the back button is the lower leftmost button on the phone. And it will vibrate when you touch the buttons on the bottom of the phone, but they're not actually uh, pushable buttons. They just vibrate. Uh, they're actually sort of part of the screen. Uh, if the QWERTY keyboard is extended out, which is the way that you use TalkBack all the time, then the back button is actually on the right-hand side of the phone, right above the keyboard. It's the low lowest button on the rightmost side of the screen, right above the D-pad. So we're going to press the back button once to get out of the news feed in Facebook, and then I'm going to press it again to get out of the Facebook application altogether. Facebook. And now I'm back on the home screen. So I'm going to navigate over to Seismic, which is the Twitter client. Music. Seismic. And I'm going to select that. Seismic clicked. Refresh. Loading. Rich cough. 12 minutes ago, check out Athletic Arashel on ACB Radio interviewing at Mikakalvo and at Ricky underscore anger. And, and then I have a list of tweets that you can scroll up and down using the D-pad. And you can see that I have several tweets here. Again, I don't vouch for the content. <laughs> So I'm going to now um, compose a tweet of my own. In order to do that, I need to press the menu button. The menu button with the keyboard on the phone extended, like it would be if you're using TalkBack, is on the right-hand side of the phone screen as well. It's the button right above the back button. It's, you'll get the nice haptic feedback when you touch it as well, but it's right above the back button on the phone. So I'm going to touch that right now. Refresh. Now the menus come up, and the first option is Refresh, which will reload all of your tweets, which I don't need right now. Search. And then there's a search option to search through your tweets. Compose. And then Compose. So I'm going to click on Compose. Compose plus add timeline. And it starts out selecting the Send button, uh, but there's nothing yet to send, so I'm going to press the D-pad down, and that will bring me to a... Edit box an edit box that we can now use to compose a tweet. Now I'm just going to type in something. T-H-I-D. Oh, I made a mistake. D-deleted. D-deleted? S-I-S-A-T-E-S-T. This is a test. Okay. Now, if I want to send, then, I would get out of the edit box and scroll the D-pad directly up. And this... Set. This will put me right back on the send button, uh, which if I click on that, it will send out my tweet to the world. I'm not going to do that right now. This is just a test, so um, I just wanted to let you know that you could, in fact, send tweets from an Android phone. I'm going to hit the back button a couple of times here until we get back to the home screen. Now, before I leave the two social networking applications behind, I wanted to point something out. Um, the Facebook application, I believe, comes standard with uh, the Motorola Droid. I'm not 100% sure of that, but I believe it comes standard. Uh, 
However, the Twitter clients don't. Seismic is one of the many free applications available on the Android market. Now, you may have heard me browse over on the home screen on the Android, the Android market, the market application. The market application is extremely frustrating because it is about 99% accessible until you get ready to actually install an application. At which point, you, you can search for applications and scroll around on the market and it reads all of the screens very nicely. But when you get ready to install on Android, uh, all Android applications have to declare the features of the device that they need for security purposes. So if a device needs to take pictures or a device, I mean an application needs to take pictures or it needs to use the phone or whatever, it will provide a list of things to do with the hardware and the OS that it has to have in order to run. Before you install an application, the market application will list this list to you. And the list itself is accessible. You can read it and everything. However, the OK button to approve that you will allow the application to run and be installed in your machine um, with those security features turned on is not accessible. So you can get just so far into the last thing that you have to approve before you're ready to install the application and you can't do it. So in order to install new applications, this is a tiny bug, but it's a very consequential one, and you would need cited help to install applications. It's very frustrating in that case. Now, uh, after talking about social networking, I wanted to show how you would play music on the Motorola Droid and on Android phones in general. The music application is not quite as elegant as the one on the iPhone or the iTouch, but it's pretty good, and it's probably better than any other phone except for those. So I'm going to browse from there to my home, to the music application from the home screen. Stream Furious. Seismic. Music. All right, I'm going to click on the music application. Music click. Now you have four options for looking at your music collection. You can view it by artists, albums, songs, or playlists. Very similar to on Apple devices. Um, so I am going to scroll through these choices here. You can scroll left and right to albums, determine songs. playlists. So I want to go to, to albums, albums, and then I select albums. Albums And now there will be a list presented that I can scroll up and down on of all the albums on the machine on the phone. All the best. Back to back hits. Missing persons. The best of men at work contraband. Unknown are the big 80s. Bob Avery. Bob Avery being boo. The boo boo dolls. Contra. Bonus track version. Vampire Weekend. So I'm going to select this Vampire Weekend album, the one that just came out, Contra. And then once I do that. Scorchata. 326 Vampire Weekend. I will have a list of songs from that album. So I can browse up and down using the D pad. White Spy. 258 Vampire Weekend. Holiday. 218 Vampire Weekend. California English. 230 Vampire Weekend. I can scroll up and down Holiday. when I find a song I want. I can press the center of the D pad again to select. So I'm going to select this song. Music. And it begins playing. Now, if I want to stop the song from playing, I press the center of the D pad again. That stops the song. If I want to start it again, I can do that again. 
If I want to go to the next track, I can hit right on the D-pad. Or if I want to go to the previous track, or to the beginning of this, actually to the beginning of this track, I can press left. And if I press it back again, of course I go to the previous track. And now I'm going to stop music playback. Okay, and I'm going to hit the back button to get completely out of the music application. So I hit it twice, two, three times to get out. Until I hit... Contra, bonus track version, albums. Music. Now I'm back on the home screen again. Well, as you can see, there are quite a few things you can do on an Android phone and on the Motorola Droid out of the box. Um, compared to the, to the standard run-of-the-mill cell phones and even like a Palmer or Blackberry or one of the phones that you would have to run Talks on or MobileSpeak, you can actually do quite a bit with the software that comes with the phone. There are some major, major problems right now, though, with it. Uh, as I pointed out, uh, browser support is just not there yet. Just simply not there. Email support also is just simply very lackluster. Sometimes you can compose an email and sometimes you can't. And you can almost never read an email. So, one good thing about Android, though, is that it's an open source OS and that there are lots of projects going on right now to try and improve accessibility on the OS. And there have been several upgrades to the OS in the last year. Accessibility started with 1.6 and was kind of crude, and now is somewhat better in 2.0. And I think that as time goes on, the OS will get better and better as uh, developers out in the field working in the open source Android project learn about accessibility bugs and, and begin to implement fixes. So... For right now, I would say if you need a complete solution out of the box that is 100% accessible or very close to it, still stick with the iPhone. However, keep an open mind, because in the next year or so, I would imagine that Android is going to give the iPhone a very serious run for its money with regard to accessibility, and that we should all keep an open mind and encourage competition, because that is the way that blind users are going to come out ahead. I'd like to thank all of you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. My name is Christopher Millsap again. Um, you can contact me at Christopher.Millsap at gmail.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R dot Millsap, M-I-L-L-S as in Stephen, A-P as in Peter, at gmail.com. And I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. Take care, everyone. Welcome to another BlindBargains.com exclusive audio podcast brought to you by the AT Guys, your assistive technology experts. Visit ATGuys.com today for all of your technology needs. Now, here's J.J. Meadow. We're here with David Raystrick, Vice President for Envision America, and I am holding in my other hand the brand new latest barcode solution. Uh, the ID Mate Summit. It's gotten even tinier than the Omni. And uh, welcome to Blind Bargains. Why don't you tell me a little bit about this? Well, great. It's great to be be with you here, Jason. Uh, the ID Mate Summit is just the next uh, in a long line of great barcode solutions for folks uh, in terms of uh, using barcodes to get full information about packaging. 
So, yeah, as you know, you know, the barcodes are on the vast majority of, of, of products, at least that you buy, and uh, utilizing that barcode and utilizing the database of now it's over three and a half million items in this mm -hmm. database. And okay. not only do we continue to add more and more items into the database, we also continue to add more information for each item. So now it's you not just it's not just identification anymore. It's identification and information. You scan a barcode, you can get a lot of the package details that otherwise you wouldn't have access to. Um, sure. You know. Let's describe uh, physically first how this one uh, looks and feels compared to the uh, the Omni. Okay, it's about seven ounces, so much lighter. The other, the old Omni was about a pound and a half, and this is uh, seven ounces. Uh, it's got uh, the speaker on the front. It's it's about six inches long and about two inches wide. So, um, right. fair, it's it, it's got a. It's got a narrow end at the top, and it kind of tapers to a larger end kind of like where the a, light comes a, a out. Kind of like a pyramid-shaped. Uh, and yeah in, yeah, in some ways. And right. it's, got, it's, it's, it's a rubber tactile uh, or a rubber rubberized case over the top of it, kind of an exoskeleton, yep. very easily gripped, easy, and it's nice and protective over the plastic The rubber case. covers almost everything except for the one side where there are the an array of buttons yeah and then, five buttons and then on the other side where there's just an opening I don't think right any... that's that's just where the label is or you can right. see the label and you you can literally pull that rubber exoskeleton off to get to the scanner uh, underneath okay um, and that's a shoulder strap that's a that's a shoulder strap or, or lanyard if you will that's connected to the top and it's got a quick release here so you can literally just take that lanyard Press off if you want sure. if you want it off okay so again, when we turn it on, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and flip the device on, and, and maybe you'll be able to hear a little bit of. Um, yeah, we hold that speaker next to this speaker. Okay. It should be okay. ID made summit. Oh, that'll be fine. Huh. Okay, so now, so I just said two gigabyte card, and so now we're ready to scan. So I've got a I've got a box in my hand, and it, it has a cyclone scanner. Very similar to the ID Mate Omni, it's right. omnidirectional, and that's uh, it's going to scan in all directions. So really, there's no need to know the location of the barcode. It's just a matter of kind of consistently moving the scanner over the face of the product until it beeps. And there, it just beeps. Jiffy muffin mix, blueberry. Jiffy muffin mix. Hey. Continued. All right. Now it said continued. So now I can cycle through the information for this Jiffy muffin mix. Okay. Um, and I'll go ahead and hit the down arrow. Package size. 7 ounces, 198 grams. Okay, package size. Product description. Artificially flavored with imitation blueberries. And it can build. Where is this information coming from? This is coming from the database. There's a two gigabyte card okay. on board of the device, and all the information is really literally coming from that database. There's three, again three and, a half, three and a half right. million items. So what we do is we kind of we collect information from all sorts of manufacturers, mm -hmm. all sorts of retailers, and and really just pull together the best database that we can that has the full details right. about the package. So that's a combination of several different databases, you know, a combination of free and paid sources that uh, provide you that three and a half million. Exactly, okay. exactly, exactly. So, again, you know, you can get to information like the, um, the, uh, the, the, in this case, cooking instructions, you can get that. You can get nutritional information associated with it. So, a lot of details associated with products that, on a CD, for example, you can get the track information for mm -hmm. what tracks are what. Uh, you know, just those kind of things are really, really cool with this product. Uh, and because it is so much lighter and so much easier to use, 
you can pretty much take it with you to a grocery store, or you can take it with you uh, when you go to work. There's so always been a, yeah. There's always been a discussion of how practical it really would be for someone to run around a grocery store. And, and I mean, have you heard of stories of people trying to do that? Oh, and, all, the, all time. the time. All the time. Folks use it all the time. Sure. In the grocery store. I, I guess it would depend. You know. It probably works a little better if you at least know what aisle you're kind of getting in. But right. as you get more experience, especially if you're just going for maybe a couple of things at the store. Right. The important thing is, you know, you have the empowerment to get the information yourself. Right. And if if um, it, it, you just have it all right there. And right. just some folks are different than others. Some folks like to do it. Some others don't. A lot of folks just wait till they get it home, and then they can identify it, and then they can use, sure. use it. Now, it's not just a home device. It's for work, too. We've got a new inventory mode that allows you to take inventory if you're a vendor or if you're somebody that uh, wants to take inventory as part of uh, okay. the, uh, their job. They can do that. Right. You can add your own database. So if you work for a company that uh, had uh, their own database of information, uh, of product or details about products, put that on there also, and you can huh? scan it and uh, get it, get all that. Is that the same? I, I know. I, you, I believe you introduced that with the the Omni. So is that it's new and improved though? Okay. There, there, there are several there are several features with barcode browse uh, or, or inventory browse features. Uh, that just make it so much more usable now. Okay, such as so, so this is what, the way you can move around through your inventory. Right, or? you can move around the inventory and you can kind of browse through your inventory without actually scanning the item. Okay, that's one thing that's that's nice about you inventory. You could do that before. Okay, yeah. Sure. There's another new system mode that allows you to adjust all your system features in its own mode. So folks that know the ID mate know that uh, you know there was a lot of features that were kind of behind the scenes that sure. you had to you had to go to your compact flash card to get to. Now you don't need to go to the card anymore. It's all part of the system mode. Okay. Um, back to the inventory for a second. You said you could bring in your own database. Is there a specific format, or how would someone go about doing? Sure. Something? Yeah. It's basically a uh, semicolon delimited file. So, okay. Uh, you just have the barcode number first, semicolon the information you want spoken, and that will take care of it. So you just export out of whatever system the the data. And you can create your own so, barcode. So just those database. two columns, barcode. Right, right. Okay. So we, we never offered that before. Now you can use your own database with it. That's really cool. A lot of people wanted there to use their own databases. Yeah. Okay. So that works. Was that just, did that just work for the inventory mode then? Well, no. That's kind of separate of inventory mode. Inventory mode is in addition right. to that. So you could, add, if you had your own database, you could kind of add it, and then that was, would that be a, basically a part of the database? Then? Right. That, that, okay. that would be its own database. So it first searches our database, or even your database, whichever okay. one you want to search first, and then it searches the second database and gives information there. Okay. All right. Um, if there, there is a uh, trade-in program for yeah, people we with have the Omni. Trade, anybody that has the Omni can trade it in for seven ninety-nine. The actual retail price of the device is uh, twelve ninety-nine. Okay. Um, so you can trade it in with your Omni and get, for seven ninety nine. You can get the new lightweight version of it, and uh, great, great, great product. Okay. And what do you explain for people if they want to? Uh, I know you offer database updates and things like that. Database updates are every six months. We're just coming out. We just had our uh, most recent update, uh, database version four point okay. uh, which is about again three and a half million items in the database. Right. And, uh, um, that's every six months. So usually every March and every October is when we put out a database. And how much do those cost? They're, if, 
whenever you buy a product, you get one free for the first year. Okay. So you'll get that one free, but um, anytime after that, it's only $50 to get a new upgraded database. So anytime someone wants, and even people with old IDMate 2s are getting their database upgraded uh, from time to time with uh, with our database. There, there wouldn't be as much room to put information, yeah. especially the yeah. IDMate 2. Unfortunately, with the IDMate 2, it's a limited database because... Sure. Um, you don't get all the instructions. And yeah, things. all the breadth of the data. We just don't have enough uh, room. Right. So everything, this this complete database, you can still get on the Omni currently. Correct. Okay. Right. Um, is that database delivered as a download, or do you have to have, have it set on a flashcard? Um, well, the database is on on the flashcard. Yeah, you can download it off the internet, or we can send you a CD okay. to the store. Still fifty bucks either way. It's still fifty bucks either way. Okay. Yeah. Now the other thing that's important is. Because we are taking trade-ins, that we do are, are going to begin offering refurbished Omnis out there too. And mm-hmm. Omni's still a great product, and it still has the same database. But you can get an Omni um, for um, okay. for seven ninety nine. You can get an Omni, okay. uh, full blown Omni, and, and you're off and running. As far as the firmware scanning. currently, is that so? Is the firmware basically identical as far as those inventory features you were just Firmwares talking about? Those features are all on the new product, unfortunately. Okay, it's not the same right. firmware set. But it's 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 still a great, still, great yeah, absolutely. Set. Okay, mm-hmm. sure. If people want to get more information about your company, uh, where can they do that? Yeah, they can call us at 800-890-1180. or they can go to our website and it's www.envisionamerica.com. Again, that's E N Vision America, all one word. Mm-hmm. com. Okay. Thank you so much, David. Yep. Thank you. We're here at uh, CSUN in San Diego with a couple of nice people from the GNOME. It's not GNOME. I've been saying it wrong all these years. Um, accessibility Project. Uh, why don't you guys just introduce yourselves, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, exactly uh, what you guys do. Okay. Hi. I'm Willie Walker. I currently lead the GNOME Accessibility Project and the Orca Screen Reader Project. Uh, what we do with GNOME is offer a free open source desktop uh, that's an alternative to commercial solutions. And it offers great assistive technologies for people with visual impairments, people with physical impairments, uh, and, and things along those lines. Okay. Hey, hey I'm, I'm Eitan Isaacson. I'm uh, also a developer on the GNOME Accessibility Project. Uh, yeah, we offer, we offer a free desktop, and I think that that's really the key word here. It's free, and that means open, and that means accessible. So um, you have full access both to the source code, to the developers. It's a very flat community, and it's really friendly for people to get involved and to um, really get access to what they need. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think one of the biggest um, things that's often thought about uh, something like this is the, uh, the, the learning curve as far as getting started with this. So why, how, why don't you describe for a little bit uh, how someone might um, set up a desktop for themselves? Well, so, okay. Sorry, go ahead. I see. Download an operating system distribution that, that has this on it. So the mm-hmm. operating system distributions that are available with Ubuntu or Red Hat, Fedora, Open Solaris. Okay. And uh, Ubuntu and Open Solaris both have accessible installs. So you can download an ISO, burn it, stick it in your machine, and you can install the operating system without sighted assistance. Does it like just use your sound card as a as speech? Or? Yep, the, the speech synthesis engine is free. It's installed. It comes with a live CD. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the screen reader and all the assistive technology support okay. comes with the CD. What's the uh, voice system included? The, the voice uh, system included is free open source software. It's called eSpeak. Yep, okay. The same one they use in uh, NVDA. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So um, um, one of the biggest things that's been going on here at CSUN is the, uh, the GNOME Hackfest. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, so this is, um, in GNOME we've really been uh, uh, doing these mini sprints where we got we get people together to work on a specific topic 
And this has been our first accessibility act, hack fest, and it's a lot the first time where a lot of us are uh, meeting for you know face to face. And uh, we have a lot of uh, challenges and opportunities that are coming ahead in, in GNOME for the next re uh, release, GNOME 3.0. Um, there's a lot of new features, and uh, you know, in a certain degree, we're, we're playing catch up. We're trying to uh, uh, to get to keep everything accessible as people are used to in the 2.x series. And on the other hand, we're also getting a lot of brand new uh, accessibility uh, features. For example, an entirely new accessibility infrastructure that's run on top of Dbus. Okay. Um, assistant bus. All right. So th there's different projects. You guys are, d are you collaborating and sitting around coding on these projects while you're here, or what do you? Yeah, I'm, okay. I, I um, be because of my non-affiliated uh, role here, not in any specific projects. I've been I've been context switching every every few minutes between um, uh, Exerciser, which is an accessibility testing tool, Caribou, mm -hmm. which is an online uh, on-screen uh, keyboard. Uh, ATSPI 2, which is going to be our new uh, accessibility framework, and there are plenty of other projects over here. If it's Orca, uh, like you've heard already, um, there's Mousetrap, which is a, uh, a webcam-driven virtual mouse. Mm -hmm. You don't head tracking basically. You don't need any sticker or anything like that. It just it just automatically works. Uh, follows your gaze. Okay. Cool. Um, magnification. Right now we're demoing uh, a new magnifier that we're going to have in hopefully in GNOME 3.0. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it's just so many projects, and it's really hard, you know, for me personally to only commit to one because it really is an exciting uh, space. And sure. again, all this is just open and free and. You know, I just have I could just I just have access to all of this, and I could use it. I could develop on it, and it's really fantastic. Okay, perhaps you guys could clear up uh, something. There was some talk for a little bit, or I was at least a little confused. Or was the development of Orca stalled, or what, what happened with that? Or well, I can talk to that. So okay. uh, I, I uh, lead the the Orca screen reading project currently. Okay. I'm, I'm stepping down. What happened was uh, due to the acquisition of one company by another company. Um, I was laid off, and so I was no longer funded to work on the open source project. Right. But what I've been doing for the past seven weeks is in my own spare time because I value the project so much, and I'm so excited about open source and the community so friendly. I've been volunteering my time. Okay. Uh, so the development of Orca really hasn't stalled. Uh, Joni Diggs is stepping up to become the leader of the um, Orca project, and Joni has been a community volunteer that has been contributing more in her spare time then some full-time engineers have been contributing to the project. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened. I remember seeing the message a few weeks back about, you know, the future being in doubt, so I'm gl glad to see that that's been cleared oh, up. No, it's, and it's alive. It's going to live. That's great. And as part of the Hackfest that we had here, we went through some planning for the GNOME 3.0 release, which is supposed to be coming out this fall. And uh, as, as somebody who's been help or, helping organize all these activities, what I see the community doing is people stepping up, and it's going to succeed. There's a chance for this thing to succeed and mm -hmm. actually succeed very well. Okay. How might people get more information about uh, GNOME? You go to uh, www.gnome.org, and for uh, accessibility, go to projects, uh, like the, the word projects, okay. .gnome.org slash accessibility. Why don't you spell GNOME this year? G-N-O-M-E. Okay. Well, thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. I, I could add one thing. Sure. Um, we're uh, there, there, So there have been uh, setbacks maybe on, on the corporate sponsorship when it comes to the accessibility project. And I mm -hmm. think what's really important and one of the things that we want to do here uh, at CSUN is we know that there's so many uh, silent users, so many happy users that are just using GNOME, uh, dependent on it for their job, for their daily recreation. And we really want to hear 
uh, you know, people at home and here, you know, speak up and, uh, and be visible users so that, you know, the suits know it, that this is actually something that people depend on on a daily basis. Well, that's good to see. And I know on Twitter, you guys, uh, Gnome has been one of the most talked about things all throughout the conference. So definitely good to see a lot of involvement. Thank you. Good. Thank you, Jason. We're here with Eric Lewis, account manager for the Flexercizer, and it's not a blindness low vision product at all, but it is really cool and it caught our attention. So uh, welcome, Eric, and why don't you tell us a little bit about what's, uh, what this is here. Yeah, thanks. Um, it's a piece of physical movement therapy for those uh, who are mobility challenged, mainly in wheelchairs, mm-hmm. and it basically provides them with a elliptical motion similar to walking. It's non-weight bearing, and it just gets those upper and lower extremities moving in a way that they usually wouldn't. Okay. So, all right. I'm going to totally, um, can I try this? Yeah, sure. All right. We set this down and might just have to speak a little bit louder. It would be better if you got in a chair. Hold on one second. Okay. This thing has uh, these bars going back and forth. And uh, I guess they're about to show me how to, what to do here. The seat's to your left. Oh, okay. All right. So I'm sitting... I'm sitting in this chair now, and there's uh, arm bars in front of me, kind of like you see on a, a bike that has... Uh, You're going to strap your feet in ah, up a little bit. My feet are being strapped in. <laughs> and, we're, and then we're going to leave. Okay. Well, nice knowing you guys. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll, we'll do the rest of the interview like this one. <laughs> While on this. Alright. They're strapping my feet into the these footholds. It is a lot like a bike that you'd have at a at like a recreation center. And you know what this would be good for people who have diabetic retinopathy? Okay. You know, to, to exercise as a Am I using it correctly? Yes, sir, you are. So, yeah, the feeling is very similar to being on a, a bike, except you're not probably going as fast. Exactly, and it's actually doing the work for you right now. I see. Also, it's very important because when you lose the motion in your lower extremities, they basically become a dead zone. So your body just ignores them. When you start moving them again, it provides a better blood It flow. is doing the work for me. Exactly. I stopped working and still uh, yes, see you hold on to it. And the idea is to move... Uh, to help gain more control of your uh, of the muscles? Yeah, exactly. It reduces okay. spasticity, things like, along that nature, rigidity. Okay. Um, Are there any controls on this? Or? Yeah, over here, off to your left, you got a timer. Okay. Uh, Why do you want to speak off. loud just to make sure it's picking you up? you got a timer, an on and off, and then a speed control, which oh boy. goes from 0 to 60. What's it on now? Uh, you're about at 25. All right, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that's 60 That's there. 60? Yeah. <laughs> so it gets going pretty quick. Okay. If people want to get more information about the... the oh. <laughs> more information about the Flexercizer, where might they go to do that? Uh, yeah, we have a website. It's www.flexercizer.com. I, you might want to spell Flexercizer. F-L-E-X-I-C-I-S-E-R.com. Thank you so much, Eric. Hey, thank is, you. It's uh, been fun. You don't want to leave them strapped in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me out of here. We're here with Tatsu Nishizawa. <laughs> Close, maybe? Uh, the chief technical engineer for Plextor. Yes. And there's been a lot of talk about new or upcoming wireless capabilities in the Plextalk pocket. So uh, welcome to Blind Bargains. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 
So, uh, w- the wireless. So, w- you had a presentation earlier uh, today. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit of what's coming? Okay, sure. Uh, the Pocket itself already have the hardware, Wi-Fi chip. Yes. At the beginning of the shipment. Sure. So, only need the activation or the Wi-Fi capability by software. Mm-hmm. So, the next month, April, we'll release the first version of the software that support Wi-Fi capabilities. Okay. So first application we, we call FileShare. Right. Uh, nowadays, uh, data transfer between your laptop to pocket, you need to hook up the USB cable. Sure. However, uh, if the wireless realized, then mm-hmm. no wire required. So you can transfer uh, the files between the pocket and your laptop. Okay. Without cables, you are now free for the data transfer. It's a fast application. So I can go on to a, uh, if I'm at a wireless network and if yeah. my desktop computer was sharing files, yeah. sure, sure. I can go online. Yeah. Um, are the files on the, the PlexTalk shared as well or not? Share, share, yes, sure. Um, the files on the PlexTalk itself, uh, if, and if they're shared, um, is there a security credit? Can I have that turned on and off, or can I put a password on it? Or? Ah, good question. So, uh, I'm so, I'm sorry. Today I'm not so have the detailing okay. specification. However, in May, in May, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah, that, that's that's just the first part of wireless support. Yeah, yeah. There's more coming. Yeah, more coming, and we are planning to coming in June to July. Okay. The second stage, we support uh, internet radio, mm-hmm. uh, listening function, and also podcast functions. Okay. To realize this, this function, we will prepare so-called companion software mm-hmm. for the setting up the your favorite channels. Okay. In, uh, PC. Then the uh, special setting up file is transferred to the pocket. Okay. Then pocket extract the, the information internally. Then after that, okay. the pocket is directly listening, streaming, and internet radio, and so on. Okay. So what someone would need to do to make sure I have this right is you would go to your computer, mm-hmm. input the. Um, the station's address. Yes, yeah, selection of the uh, yes radios. Yeah. Right. Um, and, then, and then, so you couldn't, not from the unit itself, you go to the computer for it because of the address is so complex. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The selection is the only computer. Right, okay. Um, same thing for podcasts as well, correct? Yes, yes, so, same thing. Um, does, this, will this just support uh, shoutcast MP3 stations or will it support any other type of um, internet radio stations? Uh, currently, we are just for the MP3. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Will it come, um, maybe for those who don't have a computer, are you going to maybe ship it with some preset stations or a, a few to start out with? Or? Uh, good good point. So the, I said company software. Okay. We are thinking about some of the famous channels already, some say preset. Okay. The additional channel you may select the auto, oh, sorry, manually. Okay. It's my ideas for the uh, company software. Okay. Okay. Um, what about uh, other um, wireless features? Anything, uh, perhaps? Yeah, maybe the, yeah. Uh, enhancement. The big enhancement we are expecting is the support Daisy online protocol. Okay. Uh, the target date will be uh, end of this year. Okay. However, the please know the internet. Sorry, uh, Daisy online protocol is uh, just a protocol. Right. So the 
you, you really, United States library should have the uh, internet, sorry, Daisy uh, online compatible book server okay. systems. Library server. Does anybody have that now, or is uh, that a new thing? Unfortunately, I know information now. Oh, okay. However, Australian library and European library I see. already. So it's uh, it's big internationally. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, uh, from the states, uh, major library like NLS, mm -hmm. Bookshares, and William. Uh, member of the Danish consortium, so okay. my guess is uh, they are now thinking about that. It's sure. Nice. So then they would, you would be able to download a Bookshare book, perhaps. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that might, by extension, because um, uh, there's the NFB newsline in your pocket. Sure, sure. And then you sure, could perhaps download your newspaper yeah, in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, a little ways off. Yeah. Are you going? Are these updates? Are you going to remain uh, with free updates for everyone who has a Plex Talk? Or is there going to be a charge at some point? Or uh, it's a free upgrade software. Okay, so only need you have to have the pocket on your hand. Sure. <laughs> right. Okay. So please um, visit our website www.plextalk.com. And that's P L E X T O R. P E O L K. Plextalk. P L E O L K. Oh, Plextalk. Sorry about that. Plextalk.com. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Uh, me too. Thank you. This has been another exclusive audio podcast from Blind Bargains. Visit blindbargains.com for the latest technology deals, news, and interviews. So long. That concludes this edition of Main Menu. We trust you've enjoyed the program. On behalf of the entire Main Menu team, I'm Jamie Pauls wishing you and yours a great week.